Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. We call this podcast A Bigger Life because it really is about seeing our lives in the bigger story, this one bigger story the entire Bible is about, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, that is a story that tells us about God's creation and redemption and restoration in Jesus Christ. It's all one story, Jesus says, that ultimately is about him, he told his disciples in Luke chapter 24. It's interesting because Jesus in that story says he opened their mind so that they can understand the scriptures. There really is something supernatural about understanding the full message of the Bible and how everything fits in this larger story. We need God's help. We need God's spirit to begin to awaken our mind and our lives to this bigger story so that we see our lives in it. And when we see our lives inside this bigger story, then we don't get caught up in the anxiety and the worry, the drama of littler things that are part of a smaller story. See, when we live our lives in a smaller story, what would otherwise be a small thing becomes a bigger thing. But when we see our lives in this bigger story, we don't get as anxious and worried and stressed about things that are relatively small in the bigger story. That's what happened to me when I first became a Christian as a teenager. One of the biggest things that attracted me to Christ was that for whatever reason, I do think it was a supernatural thing, but I I saw for the first time how, and I didn't have all the pieces together, who does as a teenager and who does when they first become Christians. But for the first time, I had an answer to the story of my life. I had an answer to the story of things that were happening in the world. And if we look at the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, I think it's such an amazing beginning to this story that in all honesty, one of the reasons why I'm still a Christian, one of the reasons why I don't get, at least up until now, all that tempted with the world's narrative, the world's enticements for me to leave my faith, to follow their story, is because of the miracle I see in the Bible. I really only have one explanation for the kind of amazing things of this one story of a book written over 1,500 years by over 40 different authors who could not have conspired together for obvious reasons seems to be really truly a book that is inspired by God's Holy Spirit. And we see that time and again in this ancient book of Genesis. Genesis was written about 3,000 plus years ago. Jesus ascribes the first five books to the books of Moses. So probably Moses, uh, at least as an author of the kernel of Genesis, there may have been editors later uh, to come along and make it fit better with as a one, as a whole. But Moses is probably the author of the book of Genesis, although nowhere in the Bible does it say Moses wrote Genesis. But Jesus does refer to the books of Moses. And generally speaking, those were the first five books of what we call the Old Testament from Genesis through Deuteronomy. And it would make some sense, right? Because Moses was an incredibly educated person raised in the house of Pharaoh. He had the best education 
the Egyptians could offer. So that was not a dumb group. And he had the best education of the most elite of Egyptian teachers. So it would make sense that he would have literary skills, certainly literary talent that we see in the book of Genesis. Now, just to get it out of the way, I don't believe the creation story in Genesis 1 is just straight up chronological history. There's just so much going on, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, mainly in the next episode. But there's so much going on that is poetic-ish in Genesis 1. And I, I think of it as more of a, like when I think of Van Gogh's painting that he did in 1889 called A Starry Night. It's a, a picture, a painting he did of St. Remy, France from his window. And he wrote his brother one time, we have in a letter, he wrote his brother Theo. He says, in the morning I watched the sunrise in all its glory. If you can think of that painting, A Starry Night, it has that, you know, the, the exaggerated large brushstrokes of the sun and the stars, and it has this exaggerated view of a sky in the dawn. And you can see the city, you can see the lights, and you would ask yourself the question, well, if you took a picture of it, a photograph of that city, and compared it to Van Gogh's painting, which of these two pictures is true, the photograph or Van Gogh's painting? Which one's right? Which one's wrong? Which one's most real? And you might say the photo is because it's the most realistic. But that would be not necessarily true because the photo is capturing certain elements that we can see with photons making an impression on film or digital photography. But it's not capturing what Van Gogh was capturing. He was capturing the glory. He was capturing this beauty, this pre-dawn sky that he witnessed from his window. And in some sense, he captured the wonder and the transcendence of the world more realistically, so to speak, than a photograph can. That's why that painting is regarded as among Van Gogh's finest works, one of the most recognized paintings in history of Western culture, because it captures something, some truer reality than what a photograph can. And I think that's what Genesis 1 does. It captures a truer reality than a mere chronological description of how God created the universe. Genesis 1 and 2 showing us a greater, a truer glory, a transcendence, a wonder in the creation story, but also the greater story that our life is in. And so it's, of course, showing us something true about God and it's showing something true about this world and true about everything in it, true about ourselves. But it shows us this incredible story. It begins the incredible story for us to see how our lives fit inside that story. So what I want to do in this episode is just look at the first three verses in the Bible, the first three verses in Genesis 1, because I think they're so incredibly written in a way that shows me something true about myself, about the world, about how God works in my life, and it really does give me this Van Gogh-like picture of what God's Word is and what God's Spirit is and what God's Spirit and what God's Word does in my life. So let me read the first three verses 
of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. We're going to see that same pattern all the way through the first chapter of Genesis. And God said, let there be, and there was. And God said, let there be, and there was. That's going to be repeated ten times. And the first readers of Genesis would have recognized immediately what's happening here. And that is the portrait that God is the king who rules over everything that exists. He rules over his universe and every detail within it. Let there be, and it was so, God created by decree. God decided and said, and it happened. He spoke and creation obeyed. That echoing is all throughout, and God said, and it was so, ten times, all throughout Genesis 1 is emphasizing the total obedience of everything to God's commanded decree. He is forever king over all creation, everything. But also when verse 2 says, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep. It's interesting because that's an ancient Hebrew chain of words that would sound like this, tohu vavohu vahoshek. You can hear kind of the skipping there. It sounds a little bit like helter-skelter. And that's kind of what it means is helter-skelter. Tohu vavohu vahoshek means emptiness, lifeless chaos, and darkness. It's a euphemism that means this is tohu vavohu vahoshek. This is helter-skelter, topsy-turvy. We do the same thing in the English language. Tohu vavohu vahoshek was the Hebrew way of saying chaos, empty, lifeless, darkness. And so that picks up, the story picks up when God's spirit His breath is another way that that can be translated. That same ruach word in Hebrew means spirit, means breath. It's hovering over this dark, empty, lifeless chaos. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God, through his spirit, by the breath of his spoken word, God speaks his light into darkness. He speaks his life into lifelessness. He speaks his purpose into the chaos. Tohu vavohu vahoshek is a kind of chain reaction that not only describes the condition of pre-life earth, but it also describes your life and my life without the breath of God's spirit to speak his life and his light and his purpose into our lives. I'm going to venture that the times in your life that you would maybe describe as tohu vavohu vahoshek, the times in your life when you would describe as filled with a kind of chaos and a darkness and a lifelessness, a kind of anxiety in some sense because we don't have God's 
word, his breath speaking his light and his life and his purpose into our life. And so in God's universe, because God is king over everything, God is owner of everything that he makes, in God's universe, the reality is we are not in control. When we try to control our lives, when we try to control the chaos, when we try to control the darkness, when we try to control the lifelessness, that's exhausting because we're not in control. We're not king. Our life gets filled with anxiety and stress and worry and insecurity and fear of the future. All the infinite uncertainties about the future that we can't control and it becomes exhausting when we try to be our own king. We try to keep ourselves in in control of something we cannot control because we have a deep-seated distrust of God. We have a deep-seated distrust that God loves us. And and it's, think about your own life. I mean, you're listening to this podcast. So I get it. I mean, you are at least somebody who wants to pray. You want to draw near to God. You want to be a disciple of Jesus. But at the same time, if you're like me, you might have a low-grade, back-burner, deep-seated distrust that God loves you completely, that God is for you completely, that God is for your good, and he wants to share his love and have you share in his glory that the 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 reason God created you was so that you could live in his goodness live in his love live in his glory now i believe that intellectually i just don't always believe it emotionally when circumstances in my life become tohuva vohuva hoshek i have this back burner low grade distrust that god is in control and that All things pass through his hands first for my good. Even when bad things happen, things happen in my life that can be really bad. And there will be worse things in the future, no doubt. But that have this trust that God is in control and that his will, his desire for me, his purpose for me is for my good. Because of his love and because of his desire for me to live in his light and his glory. What's interesting is the Apostle Paul picks up on this very verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about how the Apostle Paul says that the God of this age has kind of cast a spell, a kind of spell on our unbelief, on people who have unbelief that we don't see the light of the glory of the gospel. I say we in the general sense of the human condition. But when the Spirit of God speaks into our lives, Paul describes it in chapter 4, verse 6 of 2 Corinthians. He says this, For God who said, and now he's going to quote this verse we just looked at in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That light is this life-giving truth of God's true glory 
and the future glory of God for us in Jesus. All that God is for us in Jesus is a kind of life-giving light that brings glory. It brings a knowledge of this glory of God in the face of Christ that lightens our life. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is a kind of knowledge, a story, I would say, our seeing ourselves in this story. That's the knowledge that we have. It's a a portrait like a Van Gogh. It's a glory that breathes life into our exhausting worry and our exhausting joylessness and our exhausting sense of meaninglessness, our exhausting anxiety. Jesus often quoted scripture as God speaking, the Spirit of God speaking to us. He said that about himself. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. This sounds like Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Spirit gives life. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. It's as if Jesus is saying, I'm the Spirit of God that hovered over the tohu vavohu vahoshek, the lifelessness and the emptiness and the darkness. And I said, let there be light. And there was light. Jesus said, the Spirit gives life. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that's a New Testament passage, Paul says this, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's picking up on that verse, the Spirit of God, the breath of God, that Ruach of God, the same word, was hovering over the tohu vavohu vahoshek, the lifelessness and the emptiness and the darkness, and said, Let there be light. All scripture is God-breathed. That's why letting God be king in our lives, letting Jesus be king in our lives, involves this life-giving, light-giving, life-breathing presence of God's Spirit by His Word. That's That's a big event in our soul when we decide to submit to God's Word. When we decide, at least in principle, I'm going to listen, read, Take in, let shine on me the Spirit of God through God's Word. Like I said, I became a Christian when I was a teenager. And I was young enough as a teenager that my mom was worried about me when I became a Christian. She didn't like this potential radical change in my life. And so she didn't really like it if she saw me reading my Bible. She wasn't sure what was going to happen. I didn't grow up in a Christian home And reading my Bible to her seemed a little bit dangerous. So I would actually have to sneak out of the house and hide in the back of my mom's car and read my Bible so that she wouldn't see me and get, you know, start to get upset with me. And so I would read through, just started in the New Testament, and I started reading through the Gospel of Matthew. And it's like this let there be light moment happened in me. The light went on, and this life-giving, light-giving 
presence of the story. I just saw that all of a sudden it made sense. The story that Jesus was talking about, the story of Jesus's birth, the story through Matthew, you know how Matthew's always saying this fulfilled this Old Testament prophecy. And so understanding even as a brand new believer, even though I didn't know the Old Testament, I was just taking Matthew's word for it, that Jesus was the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy and that when Jesus would talk about the end, when he was coming back again. And all of a sudden, I saw this larger narrative of the entire world history and this larger story that Jesus was calling me into. And even though at that time in my life, I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of fear about the future, all of a sudden that began to change quite a bit by becoming excited about my future, by becoming excited about the story I was in. The more you understand the bigger story, the more you understand the bigger story of the Bible, this beginning here in Genesis and how it relates to the entire bigger story, the breath of God's spirit is hovering over you and speaking his life and speaking his light into your tohuva vohuva hoshek. And in spite of whatever your circumstances are, he makes you more and more excited about your future about your future in this story. Remember that verse in Luke 24 that says that Jesus opened their mind so that they can understand the scriptures and he explained to them how everything written in the Old Testament was about him. But I think about that, that Jesus opened their mind so that they could understand the scriptures. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, we need God's spirit to do that. The Bible's not just this natural book that we can understand by reading it on our own. We need his spirit to shine light, to shine the breath of God, to bring the breath of God into us. And so, you know, we could pray this whenever we are coming to God to get his word, to receive his word. We pray, Spirit of God, hover over me and breathe life into my lifelessness. Speak light into my darkness. Speak goodness into my chaos. Speak your life into my emptiness. Speak your life into all the ways that my life is lifeless. Speak your life into me. Speak your life into my family. Speak your life into my relationships, into my work, into my perspective on things, on every circumstance in my life. I pray that you would speak your light-giving, life-giving truth into me. Your word is God-breathed. Your word is your breath. Your word is your life-giving breath. I think of in Genesis chapter 2 where it says, You breathed into the man's nostrils and he became a living being. Breathe into me, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, by your holy breath. I pray that you would breathe your life-giving breath into my life, into my lifelessness, my emptiness, my chaos, my darkness. I pray that you would replace the darkness in my life with your light from your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would replace the emptiness in my life with your breath of life. Jesus, you said the Spirit gives life. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. 
I pray that you would speak life into me, that you would speak your spirit into me, the spirit that gives life, give life to me, awaken me. Because you said, let light shine in darkness. You hovered over the darkness. You hovered over the emptiness. You hovered over the chaos. And you said, let there be light. And you made your light shine. You made your light shine in the darkness. And I pray that you would make your light shine in my heart. To give me the light of the knowledge of of the glory of God in the face of Christ, that more and more my life would be replaced from darkness to glory to light, from purposelessness to glory to light to life, from emptiness to glory and light and life in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, in all that you are for me in Christ. That my knowledge more and more of all that you are for me in Jesus would begin to replace the emptiness and the meaninglessness, the lifelessness, worry, anxiety, insecurity, fear, all the ways that I feel unloved, all the ways that I feel lack of purpose and meaning and significance and value, that you would replace that emptiness, that tohu vavohu vahoshek, that emptiness and, and chaos and darkness with your light of the knowledge of the glory of God in all that you are for me in Christ. Shine your light into my darkness, into my anxiety, into my doubt about your love for me, into my doubt about your goodness for me. Replace doubt with the breath of your Holy Spirit. I don't want to live in a smaller story. I don't want to live in a small, low ceiling, small room where little things become big things because I don't have a bigger picture to see where they truly are in the bigger story. But I am excited about your bigger story for me, Lord. I am excited about your future for me. I am excited because you created me to exist in your universe because you have this plan for me of light and life all the things that the breath of God brings is what you have for me in Jesus. And so I want to submit to you, trust you, believe your word, trust your word, believe you, trust you. You are the light. You are the breath of God that brings life to me. And so I look to you as you hover over me by your Holy Spirit and I open my arms, and I lift up my eyes, and I ask you to speak into me light. Breathe into me life. In the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.